But did I tell you something? I got my, uh, I, I, I am officially a lord now. Mm? Yes. Oh? Yes, I am Lord John Blippity Bleep Blippity Bleep of <laughs> Glencoe and Lochbear in Scotland. Really? Yeah. Oh, Lord. How much did you have to, to pay somebody for that? It happened. Uh, just to let you know, it was on 23andMe. They discovered that I oh, wow. had some land there. That is a complete lie. Uh, <laughs> my beautiful wife bought me this title from uh, uh, me, this title, and my friend Michael, the same uh, title as well. Wow. Uh, for our 40th birthdays. So, Fantastic. So, what is that? What kind of uh, what kind of powers? What kind of responsibilities? What what what's it like being a lord? How's it that air up there? Uh, heavy is the head that wears the crown. That's oh, for yes. sure. Mm. Um, I've already been brought into Glencoe and Lochber uh, problems. It is a like a habitat, and okay. I own ten square feet. But I tell you, if you declare war on me, I will attack you. Hmm, ten square feet though. You could put up a little castle, like a rampart, right? If I <laughs> think I pay, rampart. if you pay for enough of it, uh, one of the perks you get is that you can actually stay on the land and camp there for a moment. Okay, yeah. like in a bog somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I I thought it'd be funny if like my land was just underwater. <laughs> right. You're like, so this is my land. Yeah, it's not ocean front, it's ocean on. Motherfuckers. Um, but let's see. I got a cool uh, postcard that shows me uh, the the nature reserve. I have a sticker. Um, I have uh, we had we got a official certificate. Ooh. Uh, but my favorite thing is that I have a card. That says, uh, this card certifies Lord John is the owner of land in Glencoe Woods in Mountain View, Loch Bear. John may now assume the title of Lord of Glencoe and Loch Bear. Wow. Then it gives me my plot coordinates for both of my plots. Okay. And then use Just this like card. Just like they did in medieval times. <laughs> of course. You know, like King Arthur would be like, I am the... The, you know, Lord of King... Uh, well, actually, it was King. I am King Arthur, and this card here denotes that I am king. Now uh, hand me thine royal GPS. I must input these latitudes and longitudes. Yes, because Merlin doesn't know how to work the radio. <laughs> but my favorite part is I can use this card for benefits when I visit. Oh, really? So you're a lord with benefits. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's funny. So now, like, I have, I've, I'm a card-carrying lord. I, I had no idea I was in the presence of a lord. I, uh, I shall demure, and, uh, but uh, still be sleazy. <laughs> sleazy and demure. It's my, it's my M.O. <laughs> Shit. Saga, you know we keep it groovy We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies A couple of nerds, but got style We so cool, pop culture Talking new and old school, yeah You should know we love hip-hop From the roots, Ty Lip, shout out to Feral Munch, we giving you what you want It don't get no live, ain't no doubt we gotcha This is Pop Saga, let's go Oh yeah, you heard right This is a lifestyle, welcome to the nerd life Pop Saga
Hello and welcome to Pop Saga, the podcast where two friends search for the fabulous powers that were revealed to us when we held aloft our magic remotes and said, I hope cartoons are on! I am John, <laughs> Prince of San Francisco, and always I am joined by Forrest in Arms. How are you doing, Forrest? <laughs> oh, I'm doing great. Uh, I've got a cool helmet and uh, orange and green color scheme and, uh, you know, I'm really rocking it and feeling good. Yeah. So uh, yeah, thank you for <laughs> uh, thank you for that uh, incredible intro. Love it. Yeah. I, I apologize if I uh, blew anyone's uh, eardrums out. I will go ahead and when editing this, I will just uh, tune me back a little bit when I go there. I think uh, I think uh, the levels on this side sounded just fine. Perfect, because we right. are radio darlings. I, I do want you to know. <laughs> When I was saying the whole, you know, I hope cartoons are on, I held yep. out my hands like super, uh, like He Man did. Yeah. Uh, I also did. Cartoon. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I was going to feel like I was really left out. <laughs> and I do. I mean, that's something I say every morning when I wake up. And in the internet age, cartoons can always be on. And you never have to grow up, Mom. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just Josh and Mom. But not really. But not really. I'm still yeah. a man child. Sorry. That's right. I still watch cartoons. What of it? But now it's Whatever. like uh, for uh, research, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's 100% for research. That's the only reason I watch cartoons. Um, not because I'm uh, hopelessly addicted to them. No. Come yeah. on. <laughs> come and on. I can quit anytime I want. Yeah, they're just fun's escape from reality. and uh, Of course. And reality is total shit right now. So let's... I'm, I'm up for it. I'm yeah. up for it. I'm down with it. And all of the other things you can, you can be. Well, you gotta get up to get down. That's what I've heard. That's what yeah. I've heard. Never experienced it for myself, but heard it plenty of times. Oh, might hurt your hips. Don't, don't oh, do yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> they're getting... Uh, yeah. I mean, they're... Uh, you know, I don't want to show my hand too early, but, you know, they ain't what they used to be. Yeah, well, this old gray mare ain't. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. that's what I'm called. The old gray mare. <laughs> Ever since my hair started turning gray. Yeah, so... Like, I'm just kidding, I'm young. D- dab. Uh, flossing. <laughs> this this is fire. Yeah. Yeah, we are we are on fire. This is brought to you by Smoky Mezcal. <laughs> <laughs> A fine drink. To drink while you are uh, podcasting. Indeed. And, uh... Uh, John? Uh, Lord John. Thank you. Uh... John Mann? What was I forget what you <laughs> called yourself in the intro? Oh, he John? He um, John. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Uh, what are we talking about today? If that wasn't uh if that wasn't too much of a giveaway. That was Yeah, so we're gonna talk about about nineteen eighty seven's greatest hit movie ever, Masters of the Universe. Mm, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to get back to the saga of Kevin, the shitty boyfriend. <laughs> And Julie, who should have left when she had the chance. <laughs> and Julie, who is sad and curled into the fetal position for 95% of the movie. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a lot more a, than it should be. Yep. Yeah, she spends a lot of time as what they call a, a potted plant. Because she's just, uh, she's she could replace her with a potted plant and the plot wouldn't change. I, I don't know. I think I'd miss Courtney. Yeah, I mean, 
Uh, I would, uh, from the fact that I like Corey Cox, think she's a very talented actor. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, her character is just not the most fleshed out. And, um, you know, that's that happens sometimes. All right, well, who is the most fleshed out character in Masters of the Universe? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I think it has to be Skeletor. He has the most character development he gets an arc sort of i mean it's like it's not a hero's arc certainly but it's an arc where he um you know sort of gets everything and loses it not no spoilers or anything i mean that's a huge spoiler but but, uh you haven't seen this movie yet i mean come on yeah shame on you yeah and you should have seen it before listening to us because out of context this is going to make no sense yeah hopefully you're not listening to this one first yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah like, go, go in episode order guys come on we did a lot a uh, little uh, work uh, we put a number in the title yeah, and that was to help us know which ones we were working on yes indeed even though um as we're recording this i don't, I don't want to reveal how the sausage is made so much but I did not put an episode <laughs> number on this title. I mean, we'll we'll change that when we put it up, of course. But um, uh, nothing's helping me now know what episode this is supposed to be. Although yeah. I guess it's supposed to be two, isn't it? Yeah, see, so now here's the weird thing, folks. Uh, we're doing this intro because originally when we recorded the Magnum Opus, which is Pop Saga's very first episode, uh, something happened... On Forces in that dropped half the recording. Yep. So about the part where I cut off in the last one, where I'm like, shit, Evelyn's like, fuck that. <laughs> that was about the last part where we had Forrest speak, and then we lost that. So we are oddly talking about the second half of Master of the Universe in the future, but we're going to treat it like it's the past. Yep, yeah. I mean, you could uh, just skip ahead if you want to sort of maintain the immersion if you want to to maintain the illusion that this is the same first episode continued on word on word <laughs> <laughs> that's a little tease what's coming up in, uh, in, in the uh, future uh, in the future yeah um you know there were we, we tried to work with the the hosting provider that we use and recover the uh, the part that we lost but it was just uh it was an upload error and uh we just lost everything unfortunately so um oh well sorry not everything but the entire second half of my dialogue um and uh as awesome as uh, john's part was um long moments of silence punctuated by somebody responding to someone you can't hear probably wouldn't be a great listen i don't know I don't know, maybe we should just put it out and said, this is art, so judge it as such. Yeah, while I have a magnificent voice and a charming personality, as you all can tell, mm-hmm. uh, which is not true, um, <laughs> Come on. I don't think I could carry a show by myself, except in my one-man play that I'm writing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is this about being a lord of Scotland? Well, it'll be added to it. Of course, yeah. Right. And then chapter 17. The lordship and the bury- the wait, <laughs> the burdens of lordship. Yeah, it's going to um, be. Like, now you have to put that in the <laughs> Born to be lords. 
Now you're gonna have to put that in the cold open, though. Uh, now you have no choice. You have to put that uh, that at least something about you you becoming uh, a full fledged Scottish lord. Yeah, lord well, you know. of the Highlands and the bogs. Ten square feet of paradise. It is. It looks very nice. Oh, love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm sure the people are tired of us meandering. Yes. Um, so shall we jump right in? Shall we re- resume yes. the adventures of that oily superhero, uh, the oily warrior from another dimension? The heist of man's. So, after Evil Lynn and the bounty hunters uh, turn around, we come to a cutscene of uh, Lubick, who is a police detective who is kind of investigating that attack that happened at the um, at the school, and he's got yeah, Kevin in yeah. his car. There was that really great scene where Kevin just enters an active crime scene and starts, like, tearing down ribbons and just sort of dejectedly kicking stuff and sort of (laughs) messing up the crime scene. And, uh, yeah, Lubbock is a weird one-dimensional character, but, um, uh, he is, uh, but he's a tough-as-nails cop. (laughs) Yes, he is. Like, you could tell he's tough because he wears a leather jacket. Absolutely. He's sort of the comic relief, right? Lubbock is a little bit... Well, like uh, a, a little bit of a comic relief because yeah. he's kind of a cartoonish character. Well, he's like a caricature that like most cops are when they're not the main point of the story, right? Like he he he's meant to be like the human foil for everyone versus the you know the attorney and like bad guys and all that shit going on. Here he is is also meant to. Uh, get in the way of uh, Kevin and Julie, you know, helping the attorneys, the good guys, get home and uh, yeah, save their sorcerers. Yeah, I think his sorcerers. actions in this movie are very questionable as a police officer. Um, so it kind of makes sense, uh, spoiler alert, if you if you don't want the movie spoiled for you and you're some, for some reason just relying on our recap, um, <laughs> cover your ears or skip forward a little bit. Um... But uh, the fact that he stays on Eternia in the end of the film, um, I think, says a lot. <laughs> well, he's a- probably running away from some shit. Yep. He's got some uh, internal affairs, IA investigations yeah. going on back at the precinct. Yeah, like um, the wire level IA stuff. Like They got yeah. metric tons of shit. He was doing, like, he's pulling a Kojak with his, you know, straight bald head. And, uh, yeah, he did a lot of shit. Yeah, so they, like you said, they're they're going to... Uh, Julie's house. Julie's house, right. And and Lubbock uh, shows us how much of a great cop he is, because he's, prob- he's just like, oh, the lights are on, never mind. Yeah, he's just gonna... <laughs> like, she's home, she's fine, and he's like, no, uh, Kevin, Kevin replies back to him, no, they do that to stop the bur- burglars. I'm like, don't be telling those secrets to everybody. Yeah. And plus, Kevin's been, he's probably been sneaking in there at night. You know, a little hanky-panky going on. Well, for... Kids will be kids, right? I mean, not kids. God, gross. Whatever. Well, <laughs> not in this case. Look, let me put it like this. Her parents are dead. So, there was no sneaking in and out of this house anymore. Oh, yeah. Of course. How could I have possibly forgotten? Well, Her parents I... are dead, and she has zero... I mean, I guess she is 
going away to college, right? So she's probably um, uh, an adult. No, uh, she's not. I don't think she's going away to college. Is she, she, she's just moving to California? No, she's moving away from California. Right, to... The East Coast, because she wants to get as... And we can only assume this is California, folks, because uh, her parents died uh, going on a day trip to Catalina. Right. Yeah, you wouldn't... <laughs> you wouldn't... I mean, unless you were... it. Well, I guess you could, possibly from other places, but it's, it's a day trip, so... It has to be close-ish. Yeah, and she's going over to the East Coast. She mentions that early. She get, just kind of wants to get away from the place because it just reminds her of that day. Um, again, and she clearly wants to get away from Kevin. She has no qualms about leaving him behind. <laughs> well, I kind of think this is... Uh, yeah, it's part of it because it's... Uh, look, I'm going to just come out and say it and I'll reiterate it later. It's his fault. Yep. This, yeah, this most is a fault that most yes most everything that she has to go through the clean up Kevin's messes are his fault. He killed her parents by forcing her to want to spend the day with him instead of going with them just to the beach. Right. And oh, uh, yeah, I'd I'd leave him too. Yeah, absolutely. Kevin. So um, they get into uh, Julie's house and. Um, the Julie must have like ESP or something because she calls the house from a uh, telephone, and uh, Kevin picks up. God, yeah, that's that is such a coincidence that she call happens to call right then. He didn't even want to go inside. Bad job again, Kevin. <laughs> Wait, no, actually, no. He did want to go inside. Lubbock didn't want to go inside, and uh, he gets that call from Julie, and um, Kevin's improv needs a little work. Yeah, it, it it could be, you know, the the Meisner method is probably one of the best acting methods he could have employed here, but he did not. No, no, he does not. Uh, Lubbock sees right through his charade, um, and uh, maybe it's because he answered the phone at somebody else's house and is uh, extremely nonchalant, even though there's all this crazy stuff going around. Yeah. Also, there's like kind of it's a it's a back and forth. Um, she, Julie really pick quickly picks up that somebody else is there because Kevin's being very aloof. But also, Kevin's like telegraphing like all of his movements, like looking at the cosmic key in his hand and looking at Lubbock and stuff. And it, you know, I mean, it's obviously he's up to no good. Uh, she hangs up the phone. Kevin pretends to keep talking, and a little bit's like, "Okay, enough of this, enough of this." Hey, and then you know, obviously, she already hung up. Yeah, he can't discover what was on the other end of that call due to Kevin's incredible um, skills yeah. as uh, as some sort of um, uh, shifty guy. Yeah, but he's uh, able to to con him out of uh, of finding out who's on the other end of that phone. Yeah, but I mean, Lubbock picks up on it real quick, right? Because, like, he just, he's like, you were talking about this thing. Picks up the cosmic key. Kevin's like, yeah, it's my instrument. <laughs> and, like, Lubbock's just banging on these keys, and it's just making all these things. Like, um, and then, you know, Lubbock's like, hey, I think there's more to this than, like, meets the eye. Yeah, and his reaction to that key is a great moment because he really sells it you got to give it to him because 
he he's seeing you know he he can't see anything in the moment obviously when he's acting but he's talking about like the things it's projecting and he is really his his reaction is incredible he is just like uh floored uh by this uh by this key yeah well james tolkien is a fantastic actor um i always love seeing him and to your point yeah the the elation he kind of has and the joy is actually there it's probably one of the few humanizing moments for Lubick. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's maybe the only time we don't see him just being an unbelievable crank. Um, because that's mostly his uh, his M.O. That's true. That's true. Um, but, um, but before... Well, then, right? Uh, wait, from there do we cut to the bad guys? Yes, we cut to the impound neon sign pizza lot <laughs> the prop the prop warehouse yeah the prop the, the prop shop um we cut to there we see this uh, vehicle in the background a very uh actually like re-watching it and taking a look at it it has a lot of the shape language from the toy so i do appreciate that also looks very much like the uh a star wars sail barge Yes, yes. I mean, unbelievably so. Mm. But it has that shape language, and we can see that uh, Evil Lens, like, leading the troops to the area of the sea where this great battle happened. Um, one of the things that Clark said was, you know, they were overwhelmed by superior forces, which uh, was a great setup for this. This is, this is my favorite, uh, one of my favorite lines in the movie comes from this scene here. Where um, Evelyn gets the scanner, and again, this the scanner looks like it is an accessory to a Masters of the Universe toy from back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah, huge plastic molds. Yeah, big plastic screen with a crosshair on it, uh, orbiting arms going, you know, spinning around, and it's got. A, I think this is a pretty cool effect for what it is. I mean, it was a twenty-two million dollar budget, so I guess they could afford to do this. Uh, she's running the scanner over the area and sees that Julie was there. And she's like, superior forces, you weren't outmatched, more like outclassed. And then she turns around all baller-like. Well, yeah. Love it. Where are the forces that you spoke of? I am. And a native girl. It must have been she who tipped the scales against you. Outnumbered. Outclassed is more like it. They, uh, they were really hoping she wouldn't bring that thing. Uh, because she laid bare that they were cowards. Yeah, oh yeah. Especially Blade. Blade's a big coward. <laughs> well, she just didn't want to be there. Like, she would have, like, and I don't blame her. Like, Yeah, she could go be, go back to getting her face massaged by Skeletor, but no. Um, she's hanging out with her robot troops and her uh, the bounty hunters um, and that's when the uh, cosmic key because this scene and uh, the scene we just talked about kind of happen almost in parallel happening about the same time I could assume because the cosmic key is activated uh, troop tells evil in of this yes yeah uh, um, the detectives uh, sort of like random button presses have alerted the bad guys to the location of the cosmic key yep 
So we cut from that scene right back to uh, Lubbock and Kevin, and then Kevin's like, hey, you really want to see what that does? Because I remember this. Um, he's like, push the red button. It's always a convenient red button to push. He pushes the red button, and the cosmic key lights start flying overhead, and it does this crazy thing. And he, he's bl- first but then i think it feels like he's like oh whoa 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 let me turn this off and uh kevin's still trying to lie he's like no it's my instrument it's just the synthesizer and lubbock's this is one of those new japanese synthesizers like no there's more to that where did you get this thing um that's when kevin is i think he's putting in like a bucket of uh, ribs and chicken <laughs> yeah into he's, the got microwave. A, he's got a bucket of chicken that he just he just takes from julie's fridge uh he is suddenly hungry for 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 some unknown reason and is just like well, she won't mind me eating her food well and i mean she works at robbie so i'm pretty sure she eats that shit all the time sure yeah maybe, maybe she's uh not coming home every night seeing two chicken bones and like one half of a wing left and being like oh, fucking kevin god damn it i was looking uh, forward to that i was i was saving that for what i for dinner tonight yeah what a I mooch i didn't a piece of shit i didn't bring home any robbies tonight because i they didn't have any of those pieces yeah god, exactly yeah kevin fucking... but he's he's microwaving that shit and that uh is a hilarious like jammer against the alien tech which is um which is such a hacky thing it's such a it's such a um a, like a product of the times that microwaves are treated as, as almost these like a mystical ele- these mystical utilities that gave off these uh competing signals to alien hardware so <laughs> the microwave is blocking the signals he's like it's strong the little robot voice is kind of talking saying it's strong and evil one's like just no destroy it and i i, I like this little back and forth because i mean it's a fucking microwave but um right I, I, they're I, able to explode the microwave remotely yeah like he just pushes the button and he just blows the shit up out of this thing um they got the location for the key and then, then they take off and then Lubick like just has had enough he's like okay i've been I got people getting beat up, arson, this, this microwave just blew up. What's up with this key? What is going on? And, you know, this is when you see real Detective Lubbock, right? He's, like, grilling grilling Kevin in somebody else's house that they probably both have no right to be. No, Um, absolutely not. He doesn't have a search warrant for that place, (laughs) and Kevin doesn't own it, so they're both trespassing at this moment. Yeah, so he's, you know, like, Lubbock's threatening to take this to the the precinct and run an APB on it. And then uh, Kevin, like, just cons him into saying, hey, why did you, well, I was going to take it to Charlie, put take it to Charlie's uh, music to put up a, you know, lost thing. And he's like, why, well, that's where I was going to go. And then he somehow, like, mind tricks Lubbock, and instead of taking it to the precinct, which I probably would have done as a cop or whatever at this point, I just would have kept the shit. I don't know. <laughs> um, he cons him into taking it to Charlie, so uh, Lubbock leaves. 
and uh, Char- uh, not Charlie, Kevin's still in uh, Julie's house, and we get this uh, wide shot of uh, their hometown. They never say where it is. Uh, it was filmed in California. I don't have the filming location. I do know that. Um, but we get this really wide shot, and we can see the vehicle that Evelyn and their forces arrived kind of flying over the neighborhood. Yeah, it, it just looks like it was it was filmed somewhere in the valley down here in L.A. Um, I mean, down somewhere in L.A. <laughs> certainly, certainly not anywhere I know about. Hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, we get that great scene of the ship sort of flying over the the, the shot of the town. But, but uh, Gwildor uh, found a pink Cadillac, converted yes, it to neutrinos. And that's where the good guys were driving around in. So as we runs on neutrinos now, he fixed it. It was gas, but he fixed it. Oh, it's a nice environmental message thrown in there with along with the previously established vegetarianism. Um or veganism or whatever the attorneys deal in. But and, um, and uh secure in uh, masculinity. There's a lot of hand yep. holding. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of affection um yeah the the traditional archetypical um uh male stereotype is is not uh followed in in eternia seems like a real nice place yeah i approve approved but we get, I, um, well, you get the flyover then you get the cadillac going the different direction because they're both going to julie's house and then we get this and uh, you pointed this out before this kind of aftermarket scene that they filmed with product placement uh, oh yeah no it's just so fantastic it's um it we, walk the people we, into this just because you, yeah, you said so, it so eloquently oh um so it's just so fantastic because uh kevin is in the kitchen and he's kind of like putting stuff away for some reason i think uh i think the bad guys have shown up outside and he's like storing stuff for whatever reason and uh he puts a bunch of stuff in the sink and it just cuts to a close-up shot of two arms putting a burger cat king bag in the sink along with three oranges <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense because these are whole unpeeled oranges uh, and like I, I i honestly don't know what what they're trying to show here is is he just like well the trash is too far so in the sink they go um but it's clearly shot after the fact the lighting is different they don't show kevin's face so it's obviously a different actor just wearing the same leather jacket and the kitchen is different and in the in the medium shot where they're showing uh, before this there is no burger king bag they just switched to a, like a, a tight close-up on his hands uh just putting him in the sink and of course the the bag is visible to you uh, along with three oranges. <laughs> yeah, but the, here's the thing I never got. Why Why are you putting that shit in the sink and not the trash? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I don't know if he's trying to protect the oranges or it's like an earthquake and he feels like he needs to put them in the sink so nothing falls on them. I don't know, but it, it was such a funny moment and such a sort of um, blatant product placement um, that uh, just really made me laugh. It, <laughs> The, you know, Lubbock has already taken the key away, but they somehow don't follow him. They just go right to the house. Well, because the key's last activation happened at the house. Unless right. Lubbock is just pushing the keys while he's driving his yeah. car. Do, 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 do. Yeah, no. I love this thing. 
It's me, little John. John from when I was a preteen. Oh, yeah. Is that on this episode? Is that yeah, on the I first think so. episode? Think or was that on the uh, Batman it episode? It might have been on the Batman episode. Uh, fair enough. Well, well I like. I you get a little preview, a little uh, taste of that character. Unless it happened in the past. Uh, for the people at home, we don't re-listen to these. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we maybe one time. Yeah, like oh, jeez, <laughs> it's me. I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna put trash in the sink and not expect <laughs> someone to whoop my ass. Ah, <laughs> what? That makes perfect sense to me, little thirteen-year-old Lord John. I was a lord back then. <laughs> I was a, I was a laird. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's so I this one like look I'm telling you if you did that in my house now you would be asked to leave and not asked to come back if you just were like hey I'm going to throw wrappers in your sink uh for the for the people listening to this all like maybe two of you uh (laughs) please comment or, or at us and let me know if you put wrappers of uh, discarded wrappers and stuff in your sink instead of just putting them in the trash. Yeah, and if you ever come over to my house and you say, uh, no, no, don't get up. No, I'll, 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 I'll take care of this. Uh, and then you pick up um, the the food that the, the, the uh, to-go the to-go bag that the food came in mm-hmm. and, uh, and you just take it over and put it in the sink. Um, that will be the last time you and I speak. <laughs> You, would, you will be banished from the land. You hear me? <laughs> hey, you get out of here. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's, how, that's exactly what are you doing? Putting a Burger King and three perfectly good oranges in the sink. And then the next shot that shows the wide shot shows none of that shit in the sink. <laughs> oh, good times. My f- um, but I think Kevin gets karma for that, right? Because he does uh, that. Yeah. And then the door just smashes right open, and uh, Beast, you know, Beast Man's leading the way, and yeah, smoke's flying, all this. And Kevin's like, to Kevin's credit, doesn't immediately vomit or, uh, you know, like pee himself or any of that. He throws a towel at Beast Man and says, "Get out of (laughs) here." And this is about as effective as Kevin gets in this entire movie. He um, he, he has a wicked towel arm that uh, that that really does nothing. He has only um, I'd say he has one more moment that almost redeems his character. Almost, almost. Uh, but he does get his uh, he does get wh- whooped fairly thoroughly by uh, Beast Man. Um, and and then then bullied by Blade, uh, Blade really uh, dresses him down. Yeah, Beastman's um, just smashing him like into a wall, picking him up, throwing him through tables. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, let a, lest we forget these uh, uh, costumed dipshits uh, were Skeletor's finest warriors. <laughs> They were introduced as his finest warriors. So you can see why Skeletor's uh, road to Castle Grayskull has been so long and frustrating because, uh, hello. Yeah, it's like everyone's playing telephone with his plans. Yep. (laughs) 
Um, so. But they got a little something for Kevin, yes, and it's did. a brand new accessory, and, and it goes just fantastically with his leather coat, and it's a bit of a truth color. Yeah, this, this is actually one of my favorite pieces, like uh, of the tech in this movie. That man at arms, I, I really appreciate all the little bibs and bobs on man at arms armor. But yeah, he gets his truth collar out his neck, and it you know lights up at him. And he's, I don't want to say in a daze, because every question that Evelyn's asking him, he's just kind of replying, you know, uh, very monotone esque. It's like yes, no, like he does a little bit more than that. But yeah, they have a cool uh, like a a metallic reverb effect on his voice. that's that's pretty cool. It also seems like the the collar is quite painful, and and uh, answering uh, in a truthful way or being forced to, is uh, is is really uh, wearing gold Kevin down. Yeah, that is true. He does have a really uh, uh, painful expression on his face as he's being asked these questions. A little anguish, and Evelyn's being all tender and stuff. Like, where's the key? And uh, she pulls out that really cool hologram projector that shows the key. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And uh, I call Kevin's collar his auto-tune collar because it takes all the, the melody out of his voice. You think it was like T-Pain? Like T-Pain's <laughs> yeah, collar? Yeah. Like, yeah. I saw a little... It's made by T-Pain. Oh, that's, a little, that's a little trivia for you. That is uh, false. So... Um, let's, put the, let's put that on its IMDb page. <laughs> <laughs> uh people don't know a um a 12 year old t-pain uh <laughs> eight year old t-pain uh created the uh the truth caller for masters of the universe little known fact <laughs> i like we just went with t-pain and not everyone else who auto-tunes <laughs> yeah, well, he is uh, fairly closely associated with it, I think, or at least he he was. Um, well, I remember him. He had there's like I remember a microphone or something I saw at a Toys R Us once that was a T Pain microphone to make you sound like T Pain. So yeah, and he had an app too that was about auto tune. So I feel like I feel like he kind of owns auto tune a little bit in the in the cultural zeitgeist, although. I don't know. I'm getting older, and I don't know what people associated with with a, what anymore. Uh, you know, what's a TikTok anyway? Yeah, what is TikTok? <laughs> what is a TikTok? I don't understand it. Uh, TikTok. I'll take one of those. Oh, those are those aren't as good as they always look. Yeah, like yeah, every time definitely. someone offers you a TikTok, you get excited for a second, then you're like, nah. Yeah. I, I don't want a TikTok. It's like a bad mint. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't even feel like you. It did what it's supposed to do by making my breath clean. It just made it smell green. Yeah, it's you smell very green today. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of the things they're doing while they're they're tossing uh, Julie's house. Yeah, just trashing um, the shit out of it. Yeah, they're looking everywhere. They think it, the key might be hidden somewhere in there, so that's understandable. Yeah. Uh, but they do before they leave. With the their their newly pilfered information, um, they for some reason they take like a vanilla envelope with all the information background information they could possibly need on Julie. Um, they pick that up, and for the life of me, so it is very 
convenient and helpful for them plot-wise, but I can't imagine coming from an alien civilization that you would see this information and you would think it is useful uh, at all. I guess I guess the the people getting it have already seen Julie. Eh. It's a very tenuous connection, but it's just a hilarious. They're just like, oh, here's something that will come in handy in like 30 minutes. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, manila envelopes. We have those on Eternia. They also contain vital uh, plot points. Yeah. So we, yeah. we, we grab them all the time like we must. Yeah, of course. <laughs> when you're searching around for a cosmic key, of course you're going to stop at a manila envelope filled with a bunch of random newspaper clippings and be like, this is going to come in handy. Yeah, it's it's specific newspaper clippings. All- so she, I mean, evil and smart, obviously, so I guess we'll just kind of chalk that one up to, to that. Um, but they... I guess they just leave Kevin there. Yeah, he's collar still on him. They don't care. They got what they needed. Right. Um, They're not going to bother to do anything. They could tie up that loose end, but why bother being thorough when you can suck so bad? Well, also, I mean, you know, they kind of whooped his ass, and I mean, they were scared of the towel. I felt it, but not. <laughs> right. Mean, yeah. But wearing like, that, let's get out of here. What if he has more of those things? Yeah, it's like, oh, he's got uh, a ten pack. It was damp. Smelled like ass. Not like three oranges and leftover BK. <laughs> <laughs> I was wiping off the counter for some reason. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, they know. They just take off, and you know, honestly, I wouldn't blame them. They don't care if he lives or die at this point. Their objective yeah, they is don't... get the key, get He Man. Yeah, they they don't seem intimidated by him. But speaking of He Man, yeah. So as these guys are taking off in their um, sail barge. Uh, we see the Cadillac screaming up the street, and this always bugged me as a kid because I, was, I think I would notice easily what maybe like a thirty-foot-tall flying machine that was at eye level taking off. If I was in a Cadillac, yeah, both people should see each other because the the flying machine has like an open cockpit and it doesn't move that fast, and they're high so. <laughs> they're high on they're high uh on angel dust and uh they're high in the air and they they would easily kind of like they would see he-man getting out of that car because it's you know six foot whatever Dolph Lundgren oiled up looking like a cooked hot dog um getting out of a pink Cadillac so yeah, the, the the proximity to when the bad guys leave and when He-Man shows up is um, is problematic. Yeah, but, it's too cl- uh, it's, the cavalry is here. Yeah, it's like too convenient. Like, Ivan is there, and, you know, they kind of interrogate him, too. Like, you know. Yeah, he, he, gets, no, he gets no breaks, and uh, Gwildor has the audacity to go into uh, Julie's uh, I'm gonna guess maybe their her parents' room or her room, and just puts on a bunch of her clothes. Um, so Gwildor's uh, a bad guest. Yeah, it was really weird. Like they they're all taking care of, you know, Kevin asking like who did this, and he's like the lady with the eyes, and all this shit. And yeah, Gwildor just bombs off and just starts looking for clothes or something to pickpocket. You imagine he would be the one to take that collar off. But uh, no, nah, he's got other. He's got a try on. He's got a. I think he's. 
He's back there sniffing underwear. Oh my He's god. Still pervert. <laughs> Big ass fucking nose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he comes out with her clothes on or her parents' clothes on. Her dead um, parents' clothes on. Yeah. Like, so he went through all their shit, and he's wearing women's clothes, so that's all I'm saying. It's like, he he was in there for a while, he came out, um, he's already a rude, and you know he's gross, because you know he's, like, horny for those ribs, so, um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Gwildor, let's, uh, hold on, let's, let's just, let's just do an aside with Gwildor. <clears throat> mm. Hey, Gwildor. Hey, what's up? Um... <laughs> Sorry to cast aspersions. Like I don't know your stuff. It was me. I, <laughs> I did exactly what you said. Okay. <laughs> I'm kind of. I'm kind of known for that in Eternia. Uh, um. Wow, Goldar, you're canceled. Goldar's canceled. Fuck you, Goldar. Oh. Um. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Billy Barty, you're awesome. Yes. Gwildor, I'm sure you were your intentions were purely innocent. Let's let's move on. Yeah. Let's move on. I'll That's put gross. I'll put this on Front Street. I think I like Gwildor more than I like Orko. Really? Yeah. I'm gonna- I uh I couldn't disagree more. Uh just from an aesthetic standpoint. Gwildor has a very upsetting face. <laughs> uh, his makeup is bad and it just looks like his cheeks are melting off of his face and like forming into jowls and his hair is wiry and looks like it smells bad um he is just overall an unpleasant thing <coughs> to behold um so yeah i love orko maybe orko looks like that <laughs> Well, maybe you don't uh, see what Orko looks like. Yeah, he we floats. don't know what he looks like um, because he he's 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 continually shrouded in shadow. Maybe he looks just like Gwildor, but um, I have to say he's doing us a lot of favors with that high collar. Then, so all I'm gonna um, say is Orko gets them in trouble. Gwildor got them into the situation but he had the skills to get them out of this situation that's true i mean gwildor is clutch in this movie he finds food yep he um he 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 feeds them sustenance even though it's not something they they necessarily want he He is able to get them transportation yeah he took a car that used hyper hydrocarbons and turned it to neutrinos yeah, he, in a, a space of 30 minutes, he was able to turn a uh, technology he was totally unfamiliar with into a brand new type of technology. So, yeah. Yeah, he stole um, Julie's dead parents' clothes to wear as a disguise. <laughs> yep. And he did some reels. I mean, he did some stuff in there. We heard it from him, <laughs> from the man himself earlier, so we know. We know it to be true. kind of a freak. Yeah. Um, Just for, like, a cool rule of thumb, don't steal dead people's clothes and wear them as your own sure certainly certainly don't go into somebody's house go into a room that you are unfamiliar with and then put on clothes assuming that this (laughs) this great gag will be appreciated by everyone although in the fiction of the movie this goes over insanely well. yeah they're laughing about it they think it's a great time uh julie who you would think (laughs) would be mortified and like just having uh like a ptsd flashback um 
is is uh is the coolest with this. Everyone's laughing along. And uh, um, but Kevin at the chime and says, "What the hell is that?" And see, Gildor was able to respond with, "See, there you go. That was my Gildor." <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> Thank you. Um. Uh, not yeah, as good as I wish we would, could have asked him to do his lines while he was here, but anyway. yeah, I'm still here, but I'm not gonna do my lines. <laughs> Brock Gildor's gonna get paid. <laughs> <laughs> he just ran out. That was crazy. He hopped on his Segway and got the fuck out. Yeah, he. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. He had a uh, he had the 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 most adorable segue i've ever seen yes um, but man he he was doing tricks yeah he, burned. he also was like doing vape tricks too <laughs> it's like yeah he likes to get down he likes the mellow yellow yeah i've i've flipped on gwildor he's cool again see um yeah <laughs> yeah so <laughs> fuck you orko yeah fuck you orko and the magic he rode in on yeah exactly um so they they have JK the disguise they know that the cosmic keys go into Charlie's music, so they all run out, get in the Cadillac, and uh, haul ass across um, fictitious California town, uh, USA. Yep, I think it's called uh, I think it's called like Town Village or something. I believe <laughs> following you. the He Man uh, naming convention. Yeah, He Man Town Village. Town Village, yeah. City. Village, city, metropolis. Mm, no, too close. That DC's. We're gonna get a DC uh, copyright strike. I'm not saying anything. It's all yeah. Forrest's fault. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm claiming diplomatic immunity. <laughs> oh, right, you're a lord. I'm a lord now. God, so. I gotta keep. I gotta remember that. Yeah, diplomatic um, immunity. <laughs> That'll be another movie we'll talk about sometime. Perfect. So, uh, so here's the part that always bugged me about this transition. I just I, I have to say it. So they're hauling yeah, ass in the Cadillac. We get a mm-hmm. shot of Evelyn flying this sail barge across the way, but He Man and like Man at Arms, Julie and Tila all show up at the music shop before Evelyn. Yeah, even though she's flying and can make a beeline to it, uh, the pink Cadillac wins. But it couldn't get there from the same distance in the previous scene. Like, right. Anyway, uh, Lubick is talking with Charlie. Charlie doesn't say anything. Um, he's because I think he's stuffing his face or whatever. And the Cadillac pulls up, and this you know Lubick goes over to him's like, I, "Something tells me you're the ones I've been looking for tonight." Because you know you got greased up Dolph Lundgren, classic looking man at arms. Uh, fantastic Tila and 80s Julie. Yep. Yeah. So this is the the next marquee scene. They're inside Charlie's shop. Lubick pulls the gun on the Internians and they're like, hey, just give us the key and we'll be on our way. And I, honestly, like, if I had, like, if I had Dolph Lundgren in front of me and Man at Arms, I'd probably, like, here, you take the key, just get out of here. I don't want to get beat up. Uh, oh, yeah. Absolutely. If if, uh, if if a giant uh, bemustacled um, hot dog man uh, came up to me wearing that and and brandishing possibly the biggest sword I've ever seen, um, I I I think I would just be like, all right, well, um, I swear a life debt to you. Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. 
Wookie Life Dead, uh, activate it. Yeah. Um, well, whatever you want. He got something. He wanted free rent. That's what the Lubick wanted. <laughs> but uh, what, Goldor, I think, walks in wearing his disguise still, so Julie had no problems with him taking all that stuff. Yeah, she's just like, I'm going to burn it anyway. I was, I mean, she was going to leave much earlier, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she was just going to leave that stuff in the house, and who knows what happens to it. That's true. That's a really good Maybe. point. Fuck, I've never thought about it like that. Yeah, she, I mean, think about all that, and there was just, she was going to just get leave that Burger King and three oranges on the... <laughs> Yeah. On the counter and not put it in the sink. Can you imagine? Holy shit. Like, she, that's why, oh, wow. You've, you've done something fucking. I've cracked it. You, you, you cracked my brain for a second. Cause she's like, yeah, like my flight's later tonight. It's like, but there is no one there. Not everything was boxed up. Everything was haphazardly there. So what was going to happen? Was she just going to go elsewhere and leave the house? Because the house had been sold, there's a sign outside that says that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, okay, maybe she has movers coming, and then she was just going to leave the place a sty for the new owners, and just be like, you deal with it. But you, She doesn't care. Nah, no, no, no. You don't leave manila envelopes and tops of boxes of uh, shit that you're just expecting maneuver uh well i mean they were up. they were tossing the house they probably just looked in a box a pre-packed box found that stuff yeah. makes it even less sense that they found it at all yeah <laughs> if an entire house is packed up uh, 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 i'm sorry uh, for us I gotta, I gotta say this thing this movie's plot's kind of bullshit a what <laughs> Masters of the universe has a plot hole yeah i can't handle all right this. I'm gonna... call your congressman um, we gotta get a petition. Let's get a GoFundMe going. Let's get uh, let's get an online petition. We gotta get Canon to change the film. Release the Snyder cut. <laughs> release the Lord John cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Release the the Pop Saga cut. Yeah. Holy um, shit! Now, now I don't even know where. Fuck. Yeah. Me. Now we but broke we're me. in the music store, yeah. and I think that the bad guys show up. Um, is this when this when uh, Skeletor uh, shows up? Right? No, not yet. So, uh, okay, okay. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Gwildor comes in. His scanners telling him, "Hey, the Evelyn's on her way," and that's when Tila does like the little kick move to kick the gun out of Lubick's hand, turns it on him, and they go in the back. This is the big shootout in the music shop. Right, so it's a shootout between um, the forces that uh, I guess that Evelyn has brought along and the people in the music shop and oh, so many guitars have sacrificed themselves for the sequence. (laughs) They shoot so many guitars. There's so many shots of musical instruments just being torn to shreds with uh, hot lead. Yeah, the shootout in this uh, this poor music shop, like, I, like you know insurance is going to cover something, but I don't know how much insurance is going to cover this. Oh, yeah, and you know Charlie is just like, he looks he looks like he's on mushrooms the entire film, and, like, everything that's happening, he's like, oh, God, oh, just don't freak out, Charlie. Just keep it. Keep it cool. <laughs> keep, it, keep it together. Don't let the policeman know I got cocaine in that that snare hat over there. Yeah, exactly. Under my stupid hat. Mm. Um, uh, no offense, Charlie. I mean, you didn't pick that hat. 
wardrobe did. Hey, man, you're good with me, Barry Livingston. You're good with me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously. But um, So what we're getting really here is, like, what's happening in the back room, what's happening in the front. <laughs> so as the sh- right. shootout and explosions are happening in the front room, in the back room, Gwildor is trying to work the cosmic key to open a portal to send them back home. And it's a real kind of high-tension area, because Lobick is feeling antsy, he doesn't have his gun anymore, there's these people telling him what he wants to do, and obviously he needs he wants to control the situation. Mm. And I think the scene that comes next is maybe my favorite of the entire movie. Oh, is this a um, convenient alleyway? <sighs> uh, no, this is... Um, Man, I might have a lot of favorite scenes in this movie. <laughs> I, I know I do. Oh, um, I know! I, I know exactly what you're going to talk about. This yeah, go is ahead. The, I know exactly what you're this is about. the Tila, um, Tila's great line. Yeah, um, where she she sees like she hears all the the fighting they're doing out in the front and of the she, the music store. And she wants to help her friends in her family. Yeah, she wants to help her friends. So she she leaves sort of this uh, um, pressure cooker of a situation and goes out to help them because she can tell they need a little backup. And uh, she busts through the door and says, "Sounds like you need a woman's touch out here." And then <laughs> she like shoots, she like shoots two people, uh, you know, just as a total crack shot, and then looks at the camera, d- barrel down the camera to the audience and says, "Woman at arms." because yeah. <laughs> her dad is man, man at, at arms. arms. Get it? Hey, uh, I thought that I, boom, that's what about gender equality that's what, is achieved. Yeah, obviously gender equality was brought forth by uh, Masters Tila. Universe, uh, yeah, nineteen eighty sevens mass hit. Right. Yeah, and everything's perfect now. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, it's like but my it, window and my lawn is on fire. Yeah, like, uh, it's like media right uh, now. Oh, murder no, hornets maybe, and flamethrowers. Yeah, right. The mur- murder horns have uh, have learned around the right uh, the right to bear arms, and they have are very into their gun rights. Weirdly enough, um, <laughs> but man, you have a murder hornet with a with an AR fifteen. Not a good, not a good time. Anyway, yeah, so, so she's out there. She does her awesome line. Too spicy. I, I I like woman at arms. It's it's. I mean, it's a I. I'm I'm completely genuine when I tell you that this is one of my favorite scenes of the movie. I didn't remember it, and so when I rewatched it, I found this just delightful. And I love that they just go down the barrel. They she's not looking at either He Man or her or uh, she is talking to us. She is talking to the camera, which is just uh, fantastic. You just don't get that so much anymore, um, you know, where it's not sort of a meta commentary or or something that has um, a little bit of a deeper meaning. But uh, I loved it. So and um, yeah, it's said with such sincerity and verb that uh, that um, she really sells it. Uh, So. Yes, I, I I say that it, with all seriousness. It is uh, it's one of my favorite parts of the movie. I think then we go back to the back room. Exactly. Uh, Tila gave, I think it was Kevin, the gun. Says yes. shoot anything that kind of comes in here or blast anything that's going to come in here. Right, because Lubbock was not going to mess with, uh, with with Tila. Obviously, you know she's a tough customer. 
but um but when it's just the humies uh in the back then it really goes down and i have to tell you i wrote down the fight between charlie kevin and the cop seems real <laughs> like it seems like you, you mean like you think this is like all pent-up rage from like like yes it's it seems genuine and it seems like they're never uh not before or or uh for the rest of this film have the stakes seemed higher uh, than when these two kids basically are wrestling with the adult policeman for a gun. Um, it just was so ominous and like there was something about it that was so sinister to be watching it that I was like, oh shit, is is are one of these kids gonna die? <laughs> yeah, like Lubick's gonna shoot like is, shoot one of them. <laughs> right is charlie gonna die like i i definitely entertained because i did not remember this sequence i definitely entertained the thought that uh, this might be the last time we see charlie i mean i um, think this is almost the last time we see charlie anyway. <laughs> right right uh but not uh, but not because he is he is um he is murdered uh so we think but um it's because this whole thing is interrupted by Courtney Cox. Uh, sorry, Julie, <laughs> played by the uh, effervescent uh, Courtney Cox. Yeah, this is this is this is like you want to talk about like the the cards that had the fall in perfect place for this situation to happen. Lubick's fighting with Kevin. Charlie's telling him to stop it, and then uh, Julie hears this call. To her from mm-hmm. like from the alleyway, and looks outside and sees her dead mother standing at the end of Charlie's music. Uh, she buys it almost immediately. Like maybe she is, maybe she is, um, like hesitant for a second and a half. But no, uh, the thought, uh, the fact that there's even a small possibility that they had to hide out because they and they had to fake a plane crash um is enough for uh julie uh enough to to give up the only precious thing to the to her new group of friends yeah because her her mom hugs her this long embrace wearing the same outfit that i think was in the i think it's literally the same outfit you always see the mom in uh, uh for sure gives her this hug and says hey you know, we had this thing we had to do, but it, it involves that thing in that you know in that room. Go get that. Go get that thing for us. And Julie's like, "Yeah, I'll go get it." Runs in the back. Lubick and all of them are fighting. Julie's like, "Kevin, my mom!" And then she just picks the key up and runs right outside. And uh, mom, the key, and she's like, "Oh, thank you." And then they do the little switch over from the. That one actress to Evelyn hugging Julie and then Julie. <laughs> Thank you, my darling. No! Julie! Julie! No! Julie realizes what she has done and screams bloody murder. Yep, yeah, she is very traumatized. But the key is gone, and um, this is when we say goodbye to Charlie. Because as the uh, heroes um, depart, they say, 
the, I think Lubbock says stay, you stay right there. Uh, but the store is on fire, so Charlie, R.I.P. Charlie. Well, he steals a gun from Charlie. Yes, right? he takes the shotgun. Yeah, because all the, the attorneys run out the back and try to chase evil in. And uh, now, now we are at the part where the emergence of Skeletor is the the key door opens up and here comes um everyone get on the floor everyone do the skeletor <laughs> <laughs> the novelty dance of 1987 <laughs> everybody do the skeletor you boobs <laughs> yeah this you simpering fools um yeah this huge the greatest portal effect ever uh, oh yeah and it goes on for so long yeah. and like all the soldiers from space balls um come pouring out they kind of remind me of the guys um from space balls um another movie we will do at some point no doubt yes uh, yes yeah what i what i say from a silhouette perspective looks like a diagram of a uterus um comes through uh the the portal and it instantly because they kind of shoot it from a low angle and you know not a wide shot so you don't you, you like they obviously don't want to spend the budget to remove the um wheels from whatever this this vehicle they've built is so they just kind of shoot it at a really low angle from the deck and it just looks like a mardi gras parade immediately yeah, this, because this, it just looks like you're kind of on the ground looking up at Skeletor on his awesome Mardi Gras parade float. Yeah, I mean, it's a, probably about the best floating effect they were going to get at the time here. But yeah, they definitely sure, didn't yeah. try to do anything to show it from the sides or give you a sense of scale. It's really up close. Yeah, like they, they show one like long shot of it floating. And then once they've established that, they mostly shoot from like the deck up. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So they don't have to to show the the clothes. Yeah, then they do. I think uh, we get a cut from that one to the one that Evil Lynn is on, where they're uh, they're having a uh, Skeletor Evil Lynn are having a phone call. She's like, "I have the key," and Skeletor's like, "And he man," and she's like, "He's eluded us." He's like, "That would be all." He- they are. And he man. He has eluded us. That would be all. Skeletor suffers no fools. Yeah, and he and he no longer cares that she has the key. I guess he's here now, so he knows that she has the key. So she didn't really even need to say that because he's the only reason he's even there is because he has the key. Um, but uh, he he is there to get He Man. He doesn't care anymore. He's got his eyes on the prize, and the prize is He Man. Yeah, if he if he had like a a, a vision board, <laughs> it would just all be pictures of He Man. He Man is a lot of it. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Like uh, his calendar is calculated to the T of everything that he needs to do. Yep. He Man, a Ferrari, and a, <laughs> a swimming pool. Shaped like Mr. Peanut. <laughs> <laughs> I take it. 
yeah. So the coolest effect in this movie shows up um, with the air to centurions flying through the town. Oh, that's great. Yeah. They're just like on little pizzas and they fly through the, fly through <laughs> the portal and... It, oh man, I love these guys. Yeah, well, I love I, I, I love because the the close up shot where they're obviously like on the top of a truck or something driving really fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're just on like a a crane or or yeah, exactly. They're they're just perched on the top of a of a pickup truck. Um, is great. Yeah, it, uh, it looks completely unsafe, but I would totally do that. Her, their tech has a fairly big explosion problem, though, I would say. Well, yeah, it's just like Boba Fett's uh, rocket pack. Hit it with a mm-hmm. stick that sets this thing off. Uh, yeah. He-Man shoots near it with a blaster, and the thing just, like, blows up. Yeah, and and He-Man, um, I think, makes short work of these, uh, these flying discmen. Yeah, they're running through an alley, if I remember correctly. They shoot at one. Um, they break into a building, and are running into this thing. He man's like, go, 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 go! I almost did Sylvester <laughs> Stallone for some reason. Go, go! Hey, <laughs> I don't know what. I gotta go. Great, go. Anyway, he's <laughs> remind me of Mr. Magoo or something. <laughs> hey, what are you t- now? See, I'm gonna try to do Mr. Magoo, but I'll just do- it's Sylvester Stallone. Doing uh, <laughs> Professor Magoo doing He Man. Hey there, my boy. <laughs> That's more of hey, uh, yeah, I talk about it, but I will push you out. You know, you go run up the stairs. Sounds like uh, someone's trying to start an old Ford. <laughs> uh, come on. Uh, no, you're not doing this. I said, come on, man. You gotta... It won't turn over. Hey, sometimes I look you like that. Uh, good good times the fucking thing is i love he's rushed him in this house and then as he's running in the the sword the power sword on his back just falls off of whatever was keeping it in place so you see it falling away from him like that thing fell off yeah so they quick cut to showing them in the stairwell the sword is attached um because they're going to the rooftop um and guess what he uh, someone had just seen Return of the Jedi because uh, He-Man gets his own little speeder disc. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, does he hook rope the guy or some shit? And yeah, he gets on one of the speeder discs. Yeah, and, and and he proceeds to have a lot of fun taking out these uh, Air Centurions. Yeah, he's there. They're he's flying around. He does like a... Uh, upside down trick, and I have no idea how you stay on top of one of these things. Like they're, like even when they show you the disc, there's no point that it looks like it would just connect you onto the disc. But he's flying around left and right. They even have a shot of him flying over the rooftops where the, uh, where you know like man at arms <laughs> and them can see him. It looks so yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, it looks real it looks bad. Like someone took a color form and just moved it across the screen. <laughs> I think a color form is maybe the best way to say it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he. But yeah, he like uh, he does a lot of tricks, and it really just kills the ever-loving gobstoppers out of these guys. But he also does something. He he finds Evil Lynn, and he takes a little hook rope, uh, Gwildor's hook rope thing, and grabs the key out of Evil Lynn's hands because he's He-Man. He, you know, he's not going to lose, and he he bombs off. I, I just want to make sure you know. He currently has the cosmic key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
but um, but that uh, that doesn't really do that much good. Oh no, not whatsoever. Because, oh, man, I, you know I say that a lot too. Just gonna be saying future John <laughs> now, even though this is technically like the second episode. All the ones I've edited, I say no whatsoever a lot. I'm really gonna get myself a fucking the source. <laughs> I need, I need, uh, I know I have a bigger look, vocabulary. Look, hey man, save it for Jurassic when we do Jurassic Park. Oh, fuck that! I, mean, I don't want to talk about the source. <laughs> you know, a comedy. The sources, brontosaurus, tyrannosaurus, <laughs> shit. Uh fuck. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we get this cool. It, it seems to happen in a lot of movies. The heroes are on top of a roof. Um, and, uh, they're talking, you know, like, I don't think, you know, wh- where do you think He-Man's at? Where do you think Skeletor is? And Goldor's like, he's not showing up on the sensor. And as they're having this conversation, Skeletor's sail barge is, uh, poking out from behind them. Yeah, it, it raises up slowly behind them in that, in that comedic way where you want someone to say... He's right behind me, isn't he? Yeah, you're, yeah. It's like it's okay. He just wanted his machete back. Yeah, exactly. He's right. There. A little uh, Jason X reference there. Yes. Um, another another one for the pile. Um, but yeah, he's right there. Skeletor's got their number. He was sneaking up on them the whole time, mm-hmm. and uh, and and he he's he's raising up on his little hovercraft. Um, in a very dramatic en- entrance. Yeah, and of course, you know, he, he chimes in that he's there. But to Tila and Man at Arm's credit, they pull a Han Solo. They see the big. They bit. shoot first. They shoot first. Yeah. They're not even questioning it. I have no chance. I'm gonna try to take this guy out. Uh, Skeletor, being the uh, the the grandest pimp of them all, I guess, pulls up a force field. Deflexer shots easy. I, I always dug. Uh, that part because it's just like yeah they're trying to give him a little uh, Darth Vader street cred oh yeah they definitely had just watched Empire Strikes Back and uh, they had seen that scene where Han Solo tries to shoot uh, Darth Vader and he's able to to deflect it with his hand and um, that's basically what (laughs) just imagine that put Skeletor in there instead and that's and that's basically what you got. Yeah, it's just like Empire Strikes Back. I, I think they could have really just said that on the poster. Instead of like a battle yeah. fought in the stars. They could have just said... It's, it's He-Man. It's pretty much Empire Strikes Back, but with He-Man. Yeah. And Skeletor, just, come on. It's like... Buy a ticket. Yeah. What do you what do you gotta do? What are you gonna go see? It's like Skeletor captures them. Everyone's on the rooftop. He-Man destroys the last... Or the last Air Centurion leads them to uh, the same rooftop... He-Man pulls a, a Bugs Bunny type of look on his face because he flies over. He's like, <laughs> Like, I don't see the cell barge. I don't see any of this. And he's like, Ooh! And then Julie runs in the way. And I remember uh, and, uh, Skeletor uses his force lightning, his little uh, pinkish, like, uh, neon pink lightning blast and shoots Julie in the leg. And uh, He-Man falls on the floor, and but he's He-Man, right? So they're on this rooftop, and he's just fighting back. He's chopping guards up left and right. They're dog. He kills so mu- many of Skeletor's men. Like I mean, the thing is, 
they don't flat out say it, but the the guards are supposed to be robots. That's why he's able to cut them with the sword. That was uh, the reason why the right. They spark to reassure you that, that he's not straight up murdering people. Yeah, but they're humans in there. Uh, just yep. just it feels like they're cyborgs at best. Yeah, I mean, like there's definitely like a, a husky dude <laughs> inside those. It's, it's a, it looks nothing like a robot. Yeah. It looks like a stormtrooper that sparks, but whatever. Um, we'll give them that. They're foot soldiers. So He-Man's fighting them left and right, and um, he's he's beating them. It, 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 like, because they're doing the whole attack at one time, and then they eventually all dogpile him, and he does the big roaring move where you're ganged up, and he throws them all away. And then that's when Skeletor's like, What? <laughs> One more move, and your friends will not live to see another day. More move, and your friends will not live to see another day. And uh, puts an end to He-Man's nonsense, and uh, puts him in shackles. Yeah, so He-Man's captured. <clears throat> Blade's happy as shit because he gets to hold the power sword. I always... Yeah, he he's definitely was a sword lust. It was, was what was driving his revenge, I think. Um, he had sword jealousy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, his, his friends are left to pick up the pieces, uh, because Skeletor, um, indulges in five more minutes of what I'm calling portal porn, uh, while we sort of luxuriate in this portal effect as he, uh, as he takes his army and his prize and, uh, goes back to Eternia. Yeah, it looks like a looks like the Eternians are at, for a lost. Uh, Julie is in her uh, fetal position, as you called out, because of whatever Skeletor hits her with. Uh, Ooh, her leg looks bad. Yeah, oh my god. Just, like, where they take her to, like, a fountain or something, and that's when you get it. Yes, like, yeah, they, they go to a weird sort of, like, tiny micro-park that is like uh, in the intersection of two streets, and um, there is like uh, maybe like uh, f- like four bushes, a fountain, and like two benches, um, and a loudspeaker that's just playing music. Wound on Julie's leg is, I, th- I still think to this day, gross is uh, all sh- all fuck shit. It's really fucking gross. Yeah, it looks like somebody. Um, Put some uh, hamburger helper and uh, and chocolate syrup on her leg uh, because that thing looks like it's infected and it's going downhill fast. She is basically catatonic for for the r- most of the rest of the film yeah. um, while she's under the the sort of I guess poisonous lightning of Skeletor. Yeah, it's it, they 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 come and it's like it's it's his mark. They call it Skeletor's mark. And it just like right. they're like without our sorceress, Julie isn't living. The cosmic key was also fried by Skeletor's electricity, so it it could play, but it didn't have the tone to be able to send them back the portal notes. But that's when Gildor and uh, Kevin start talking about like, oh, you mean the the tune that it plays when you push the button, and then. <laughs> K 
magician was able to remember that to him because to him yeah i think at some point they talk about how he has like perfect pitch or something um and so he's able to duplicate that very well it's funny that you i (laughs) i don't look i don't want to put you on the spot but you just said skeletor um and that is exactly what uh what the detective says um lubbock also calls him skeletor i believe or was it man at arms one of those guys calls him skeletor oh well man at arms in this movie john cypher he can call skeletor whatever he wants um <laughs> what well, someone says skeletor now i'm thinking about it it's probably gwildor um skeletor that seems i'm channeling my inner gwildor yeah it seems right right yeah um but i just had that written down in my notes just the word skeletor, skeletor. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and yeah you had quoted quoted it so i uh uh I, I was reminded of that but um yeah, so they they need to play that tune, but they need to um, also like sort of modify the cosmic key to to create this portal, right? Yeah, uh, pretty much. There is. Uh, he's like, I'll go get a keyboard from Charlie's. So he's he's just gonna steal from Charlie now after blowing it up. Um, this is after. Kevin gets a stirring speech from Man-at-Arms. He's like, look, if you know how to do something, you do it, right? Pretty much like... Listen to me, boy. In half a chromon, we're not going to have a sorceress to go home to. So if you know how to do something with that thing, then you do it. Stop being right. a punk in this case. Yeah. Or, you know, we'll asshat. Uh, and... Uh, Go get the keyboard. Go help us out. So he goes, gets that, and then they're like, yeah, I could do it. And Gwildar just starts naming these pieces of technology. And conveniently, Man-at-Arms and Tila have all of those things on their person. Like, literally. Yeah, and they are literally. Yeah, they are just like, Tila, he's like, I would need one of these. And Tila's like, oh, this thing? And it's like, what? Why didn't he just point at it he's been looking at it this whole time when he's like i need that no he has to we have to play this dumb game where they somehow have these very complex sounding technical gadgets just sort of uh velcroed to their costumes um just another example of like very convenient mm-hmm. <laughs> like plot uh and then they throw a bunch of a round of um you know this is kevin's time to shine but uh they stuff say stuff like half a uh, chromon and kevin has no questions about this he just kind of i guess understands what half a chromon is yeah i mean he had to take the car to go to charlie's shop so they were pretty far away but somehow the car was right where they needed it to be <laughs> yep. But so, yeah again makes no sense yeah they, yeah they do that and then we cut back to the throne room of uh, Castle Grayskull as Skeletor returns triumphant. He has captured He-Man, the Cosmic Key. Like, this is Skeletor's moment where he's just able to taunt the sorcerer, sorceress, who is slowly or quickly, or yeah, rapidly aging. And they're having their kind of back and forth conversation. He's like, I won. This will be great. Yeah, so this part was funny to me because he uh 
So, skele- th- I guess them going to uh, Earth was just to get the key because they wanted uh, the key. Because, uh, or I guess both the keys so that He-Man can never come back. Because he was going to get the power of Grayskull anyway. Like, nothing stopped the fact that once the moon was up the you know Grayskull would would channel all this power into him and him like him going to earth was completely inconsequential to th- that that was going to happen um all he had to do was get back in time vision board was very much laid out and if he didn't get all those pieces he wasn't going to be happy but finally getting uh, He-Man, he's able to parade He-Man in front of um, the sorceress, and then takes the power sword. It's now mine forever, and he has a convenient lockbox for it. Right, he has a power sword boot yeah. built into the throne. <laughs> he slides that in, and then um, I think, you know, everything's looking like it's the end of the ropes. His big thing is he wants uh, He-Man to kneel. That's like the final thing, and He-Man's like, I'll never kneel to you. And um, I think we cut back over to um, uh, the now built-out Gwildor uh, keyboard hooked into the power grid of the town square. Yeah, this machine looks dumb as hell. Uh, it's just like a bunch of... like like flimsy wires on like coat hangers and it is the laziest prop (laughs) i just i just cannot stand this like lazy lazy prop um you know we've seen bill and ted we've seen uh a weird sort of uh like umbrella without the um without the fabric part covered in bubble gum and even that was more believable than this uh, this 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 weird threadbare contraption um, that just looks like a the uh, like the whisper of a, uh, a Gelfling's dream. <laughs> <laughs> and as that's going on, Lubick with a few fellow police officers stumble across this, and um, Kevin starts playing the the the. The telltale cosmic key sound. And uh, Lubick jumps into it as... Oh, shit. Everything's starting to fall on my desk. Oh, no. Uh, okay. Oh, God. It's Skeletor. Skeletor is coming after me. <laughs> Make fun of the fact that I'm, I'm half West Virginian. Not from there, but... <laughs> Skeletor, damn it. <laughs> oh, Skeletor. Oh, Go down a skeleton, you're back again. Give me that moonshine, skeleton. Go, keep, my moonshine again, damn skeleton. <laughs> so, um. so, fuck, okay. Hold on. So, uh, so Skeletor is having a blade whip He Man. The, the tones are being played in this park. Lubick jumps in, and the, the beautiful por- portal effect happens as we're hearing the tones. And uh, we get back to the thr- uh, throne room. Yeah, I mean, let's just pause for a moment and talk about the whipping scene. Yeah, good. Um, uh, Skeletor, the way that Frank Langella plays this is so weird, but good. 
Like, He-Man is being tortured by Blade with a, a very badly or very weirdly animated uh laser whip and um every time he strikes he-man skeletor seems like wildly perturbed by it like he doesn't he seems very uncomfortable with this torture in a way that i don't understand what is trying to be conveyed there from a story perspective but i love the acting because it seems genuine yeah he He's like my MVP for the whole movie uh, choice for a guy wearing like white skull makeup, wearing a robe, holding a staff with a ram's head. You know. Yeah, he he like he's wearing dumb makeup. Like you have to look when you're going through that process in that makeup chair, and you finish, and he must have turned to the makeup lady and be like, "Are you done?" Oh, okay. But then he he acts the shit out of it anyway yeah. it is he's having a fun time uh, like you can tell he's having yeah. fun like uh we i believe we talked about this in the first episode but this he has said publicly that this is one of his favorite roles and you can tell he is loving it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and he i wrote down in my notes i said skeletor is this movie he is crushing this <laughs> he is crushing it and he and he he truly he truly does and he has a series of uh, incredible monologues um as he builds up to to uh inherit the power of the master of the universe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and uh yeah he and, and then he goes gold right yeah so what happens is as the uh, he's transforming. He's uh, broadcasting to Eternia. He's like, "Look at me! I've broke your sorceress. I've got He-Man. Uh, I've won. You're all lost. Now you get to watch this for free of charge. Me transform from just normal Magnificent Skeletor into uh, God Skeletor. That's kind of what he's referred to as. And you know, he's like, "I am the Alpha and the Omega." Actually, John insert a clip of me saying uh, not me saying that him saying that because it'll be better him saying it than me saying <laughs> record it. me saying it again and then play what it if that's the thing uh, i put in here. like what if i i am the alpha and the omega. <laughs> yeah. it's just the same <laughs> clip from before. take it yeah cut it move it over <laughs> it's 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 one of my favorite again i said this whole movie <laughs> Here, huh? The Alpha and the Omega, death and rebirth, and as you die, so will I be reborn. He's my favorite, but it is a, a fantastic line. And as he's monologuing this, these uh, golden orbs are flying around him, flying into his body. And he's like, oh, I can feel the power. Unstoppable power. And then... Of what consequence are you now? This planet, these people, they are nothing to me. The universe is power. You... Um, he goes it goes hella bright and yeah he goes gold but um 
uh, what is it? He he's like taking a look at me. I now have these weird bat wing lobster claw. Oh my god! It's uh, the stupidest design. Like, yes, it's ornate. Yes, it's 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 massive. But truly, the designer was like, "All right, okay, I'm gonna put bat wings, crab claws, bull horns. Like, it's just, it's just a bunch of shit tacked onto it. It's the tackiest thing ever." And I wrote down. I wrote down, Golden Skeletor is just, I mean, what do you even say? If this is what a god can make, what does that say about the power of a god? Well, my, the, 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 the icing on the cake is the fact that, while yes, he has this really ornate headdress and everything is gold, the base outfit is just his normal outfit, just in gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, either his imagination is lacking or the 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 uh, power of the master of the universe is not all it's uh it's not all it's uh, chalked up to be. I, I I'm just going with the fact he knows himself. He's very comfortable in his clothes, and he's not changing them. He likes his style. He knows what he likes. I yeah. get it. That makes sense. So as um, as he's now golden god Skeletor, um, he starts shooting He Man, saying Neil, and as he's doing this, uh portal opens up and then half the scene from earth shows up with Lubick and uh man at arms tila julie and kevin all in the throne room of castle gray skull and part of the cadillac and, yeah half the cadillac <laughs> the wall i think even the payphones in there yeah it's it's a great like it doesn't really look like where they came from but it's like a great um like half of a brick wall and a little bit of turf and part of a car and a bush and uh it it's a fun a fun shootout then ensues yeah it's it's uh all hell breaks loose um skeletor tries to shoot he-man he-man takes advantage of that i remember because he has his he's, he's shackled and he, uh skeletor's now gold lightning uh breaks the shackles and he-man's just starting beating up dudes left and right uh Lubick calls the guards pinkos it's like take this pinko scum (laughs) (laughs) okay all right okay i mean we already knew you're kind of a shithead but here we go yeah he's just dropping terrible shit and then yeah they're just shoot you know everyone's shooting everything he man's hiding behind some statues and this is where you get to see him do this big show how strong he is by toppling the statue on a couple of shoulder uh shoulder not shoulders soldiers the shoulders of soldiers yeah, so, get crushed by the bullet yeah the over the 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 the, the shoulder holder pushed the <laughs> statue on the oh fuck keep going Jesus. you're almost pushed the statue on the normal shoulder soldier sold sold so <laughs> Okay. All right. Let's just okay. Forget. So forget that so that happens. Uh, he man, I think Tarzan swings over, and uh, he he needs his power sword. So he's reaching for it, and uh, Skeletor is not having it. So he's shooting lightning, shooting lightning, shooting lightning. But he has terrible aim for a guy. Yeah, he's hitting the hands and stuff. Not like you know, like shooting the face or the junk or like something that would make you want to let go. Yeah, He-Man has uh, is able to resist these 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 blasts, mm. 
and uh, and he's gonna get that he's gonna get that sword out of that boot. And he does, and he pulls it out, and this is the one time you get the classic, uh, I have the power line. He's like, oh. Yeah, but it, we don't get the full one. Um, no, we don't get by the power of Grayskull. No, just the the latter half. And uh, if you watch with my obviously in ancient times when this was on VHS, you probably would not have seen that the ADR was out of sync with uh, um, the the film. But he's like, I have the power. But he stopped saying power like good two seconds before it ended it, it's it, it's a little funny little thing. <laughs> uh, well you know but you know what having the power does right it turns off uh, all of the me. lights yes it's- i have the power to shoot this after we ran out of the budget and and tore down half the set that's exactly it the the scene is notorious because the film uh i think we mentioned a little bit before but the film had major budget issues. Uh, its original budget ballooned from 17 to 22 million, and that's a pretty expensive film for 1987, and especially for canon. Absolutely, because this was especially for yeah. Canon. This was canon Star Wars, right? That's that was the whole point. But um, I felt like they really missed the boat, and they 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 pleaded with the studio and fought for a few months, but they needed an ending like this. They had a day to shoot it. And uh, like you said, Forrest, most of the sets were torn down. Everything was missing. Um, so they turned off most of the lights and set up these spiral lights uh, uh, shining. And, and they're, they're fighting as best as they can. Skeletor in this gold outfit. Um, I remember the actor. So the actor who played Blade. Uh, let me see if I have his. Uh, Anthony DeLongis was the... Um, fight choreographer too so he was the one who did all the fight choreography he played skeletor when frank langello was not skeletor and he couldn't do fancy martial arts stuff that he wanted to do because the uh the helmet was too wild so it's it's a pretty basic fight and yeah it's uh still better than revenge of the sith don't at me Strong just words. Kidding. Just Strong kidding, you words. guys. I know everyone's loving that movie now. Um, I don't. We'll talk about it later. Um, but uh, yeah, they uh, they have a they have a like you said they have a kind of a well, low key fight, and then Skeletor basically just kills himself. Yeah, <laughs> he like, just kind of throws himself. Well, no, he, he makes a bad choice, and and, and uh, uh, he he man breaks the power of the. the Here's a little trivia for you people who are not Masters Universe fans. Uh, Skeletor's staff has a name. It's called the Havoc Staff. Of course, um, yes. Just for, for that. So uh, He-Man breaks the Havoc Staff that was containing uh, Skeletor's god powers. And it turned Skeletor to normal Skeletor. Uh, they keep fighting. And then um, uh, He-Man... Uh, He's like, you're defeated, defeated, Skeletor. And he's like, no, not yet. And he tries to pull out the sword, but He-Man like pretty much kicks him off into this giant pit. And you get... Yeah, he just kind of parries. Like He just sort of steps out of the way. Uh, Skeletor, Skeletor pulls out his own sword 
and he, he goes for him and and he-man just kind of judos him into the that pit and uh down skeletor yeah, goes nakitomi to all the way yep um and uh yeah he emperors <laughs> he emperor palpatine's down there um and that's it that's it for skeletor uh and then we go to the uh the newly restored princess um uh congratulating everybody on a job well done sorceress sorry yes of course sorceress what did i say princess (laughs) princess uh was uh, too many star wars references um uh i was wishing this was i was watching the original star wars um but instead uh yes of course uh the sorceress restored to her uh natural age um and uh restored to her rightful spot on the throne of castle grayskull yeah she the we see he-man in his new golden gilded armor uh yeah yeah he he probably stole some of that skeletor armor and he was like now i have the power what do you think weird conspiracy theory what if skeletor skeletor god damn it now i'm just going to do it what if he traded yeah exactly with he-man and this is skeletor Yeah, well, um, I think that that's fairly easily disproven um, by the after credit scene that I think we'll get to in just a no, moment. No, I, I, I got you. I got a, I got a, a counter for that. Uh, okay, so, but yeah, we're in the throne room. Lubick is sitting right next to the sorceress, and he's got this woman by his side, and, you know, they're all, you know, they're all talking. They're all happy. Julie's fine. She's been healed. Uh Lubick is like, or they they ask him, "Hey, aren't you gonna come back?" And he's like, "No, man, I got a, I'm a, got a castle, I got a wife somehow. Like a day later, uh, I got some new clothes. I'm yeah. not coming back." It, an indeterminate amount of time has passed, but the sorceress has decided to put this creep cop next to her uh, on the the like the royal throne area, and he's been given land. He's been given a castle and uh i I have to assume uh arranged marriage with with um uh, one of the one of the citizens of eternia and she doesn't look super thrilled (laughs) i mean he's thrilled but (laughs) yeah he he's ecstatic yeah this 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 is like he's running away from something he he knows where the bodies are buried he has no family yeah he, he back there i mean He's just gonna. I mean, he's gonna make Lurk, uh, Earth look bad. I feel like I would have loved to see a sequel though, where he is like a big part. Like it's all set in Eternian, and it's like Lubbock's there. Saying their goodbyes. Oh, excuse me. Good journeys, because Eternians do not. Yes, say goodbye. of course they try. They try to say goodbye, and um, Lita says no. Say good journey. Yeah. Um, yeah. I believe it's Lita. Tila. Tila. Lita. You man. Tila. And arms. Don't. Don't say goodbye. Say good journey. There's an old attorney saying. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm all over the place. Thinking, uh, the Hardy Boys with Lita. Uh, I guess I don't know. Uh, Tila, Lita. I, I'm dyslexic. Uh, whatever. Don't at me. Um, I wouldn't at you for that. If you're dyslexic, it's okay. <laughs> I accept it. It's fine. It happens. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I can't yeah, say Skeletor. I, I have to now think about it because I'm going to keep calling him Skeletor. 
<laughs> well, you and Gwildor, I feel like you're in good company. Um, but yes, they say uh, Tila says good journey, um, and uh, it seems like it's supposed to be really meaningful. Uh, but they just brought it up now. It's not like a reference no, they to say, they talked about before. No, they say good, good journey throughout the film, so it, it gives it more connotation. Like okay. They, yeah. All right. They, I don't. Rem- I don't recall that, but uh, but obviously I was not paying. I attention. will at you if you don't believe me. Like I'll, I'll get you the timestamps <laughs> oh every time they oh say it. Please don't. Said about four or five times. Um, God. Uh, I believe it. I totally believe it. I mean, it, this is their movies. Ba weep, grana weep, ninny bong. Right, that's a that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, it, uh, does, is it now? I'm just trying to. Is Gwildor the one who says, "Are you sure you don't want to go back any any place, anytime?" And Julie's like, "No, just back home." Yeah, he gives her the chance to save her parents. Uh, she does not take it, um, but good. But good thing that Gwildor has a little bit more empathy than she does because he just sends her back there anyway. No, she's. You hear her faintly yell it. Wait, Gwildor! Oh, right, when they. Yeah, she remembers that at the last moment. <laughs> which, again, is uh, hilarious. But you have to assume he was planning on doing that anyway since she was stepping through the portal as it happened. Um. So, uh, you know, I guess when you've walked a mile in her parents, her dead parents' shoes, as Wildor has, <laughs> um, you know, he, he he felt a certain kinship with them, and 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 obviously wanted to save them. So, so, um, so he does, and everyone, the it's a happy ending for everyone. She gets to go back before all this horrible nightmarish stuff happened, and even before her parents were dead. And uh, her and Kevin are the only ones who remember this fantastical thing. Uh, but uh, if you were, if you were a fan, a huge fan of this movie, and this is far before all the the Marvel after credit sequences, but if you were so obliged, you could wait till the end of this movie and there's a little after credit teaser and i did i I fast forwarded to the end um i only had a vague memory of this thing existing but it's there yeah i watch it every time i'll fast forward right to it even though i know it's there yeah it's like the first after credit thing honestly i remember yeah it's the, the the first one i remember as well and uh yeah it has like that 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 big old pool of pepto bismol bubbling away mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and who sh- who's a naked bald head should uh, uh should should break the surface well, ske- but one skeletor jones yep. skeletor pops up looks right in the camera so our second wall breaking thing and goes <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> you have, you literally have an action star, probably the biggest action star in the world. Uh, who's that's all they say. That's their signature catchphrase. Mm-hmm. And you're literally like, just have them say, I'll be back. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you know, maybe they try to workshop it, but they're like, okay, we have them sitting in this pool of like tepid. <laughs> just looked at the camera and just been menacing and you're like oh shit he's still alive no, no i'll be back we wouldn't know the, and guess we wouldn't what know the intent though 
That's like, if he's just mean <laughs> mugging the camera, better. like, he's all, Well, that just shows he's alive. They could have just showed, we didn't know, he. we thought he died, and you have him sort of slowly rise out of some goo, some goo, <laughs> some, some, some goo. goo. Uh, some goo. You, you have him rise out of some goo, and he, you know he's alive, and that's enough, no. I think. You know, he doesn't have to say that he'll be yeah. back, because guess what? He he wasn't. Yeah, but they were trying. Yeah, I mean, they wanted it to have a sequel, but it never happened. There was never a sequel to this film because it did very badly. Yeah, well, I mean, they tried for a sequel. They, uh, uh, the rumor is, I don't know how much how true it is that Cyborg, so it was Masters of the Universe two Cyborg was going to be it, and then um, since the studio was running out of money, and the last thing they could do was Cyborg, they just cut everything, created a real cheap movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme and that. But they were hopeful and that's why I wanted to know that Skeletor was hopeful that he'd get a sequel by saying something. <laughs> like, if he was like, you know, like, anything longer than that would have been too long. Like, I want to do this again? You know, or like, I will return is too long. <laughs> like, I'll be back. Or it could have been like, surprised? <laughs> well, they just, here's what you do. Okay. Uh, you open up on a the the the, the Pepto Bismol fields the the or the the Pepto Bismol lake, and you pull back slowly, uh, and then sort of uh, pause on the edge, and then you just have a hand come out and grip the edge of a uh, of the pool. Too cliche, because um, then people would be like, "What if that was just a troop?" <laughs> More cliche than. Well, first of all, Skeletor has very Skeletor has very unique hands, so I think you could be able to tell it was him. And then also, is is it any more? Is it any less cliche than him saying, "I'll be back to the camera"? He was telling the you. He was telling the the watcher. Oh, so he's telling thirteen-year-old John. Oh. <laughs> he's telling, I mean, he's telling forty. Oh, jeez, look. Ma, I know he'll be back sometime, so he sent it right to the camera. It was directly to me. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Yeah, no. I, I love it because they, they freeze frame on him, and you can tell half that pink shit got in Frank Langella's eye. And here you're asking yeah. this, like, master class actor to float in this tepid pool of water. <laughs> Listen, we have a great last scene. I want you to pop up and say to the camera. Like, back. I wonder if he was at... I wonder if they had him in his costume while he was in that pool of water. Or they were just like, we'll just put the head prosthetics. You can uh, be in, like, swimming. I drink. think for sure he is just in, like, a swimsuit. And just has the head prosthetics. Right, I'm on. hoping so because it, it felt like they didn't give a shit. <laughs> so yeah, they're gonna they just dunk him in the in the in that thing with his costume on. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. Like right, like hey, oh hey, Frank, right before you take that off, could you jump in this pile of goo? Record you real quick. And then I would love to see. I would love to see like that, and then show me a long shot of him just in the pool, talking to nobody. <laughs> I'll be back. I was hoping you'd see, back, like, back, they back. do that long shot right there where they're looking at the top of the pool, and then yeah. you're like, oh, he's gonna come back. But instead of him like coming out or a hand clawing up, you just see his body pull up. <laughs> just his back brings the surface, <laughs> and, just... and then it's just like the end. Yeah. <laughs> 
Skeletor's dead. <laughs> he he won't be back. Like he won't he's be back. in there, and that pit lights on fire or some shit. <laughs> just burns. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. like he's not coming back. <laughs> he's like, oh, maybe he could still be alive. Oh, oh, oh no, no. Oh wow. That, wow. Like they just had an alligator come up and just tore him. Yeah, that, that would have been like that is a bold commitment. They're like, we're not yeah. reusing heroes or villains. Oh, jeez. Maybe Beast Man will be the... <laughs> so it's going to come back, but it's not Skeletor. Skeletor has <laughs> got fucked up. But... I won't be back. <laughs> yeah. Blurp, 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 blurp. <laughs> it's a bubbles. You pop the bubble. It's him just saying he can't swim. <laughs> just... <laughs> Skeletor. <laughs> It wasn't the kill, or it wasn't the fall that killed him. It was the, uh, it was the lack of uh, water. Do wings. you think Skeletor holds his own skull if he's like doing that whole old poor Yurik thing from Shakespeare? <laughs> Just <laughs> so you're saying if uh, if Skeletor was in Hamlet, yes. would he just? Would he just wear all black and just have like one hand uncovered? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, poor Yorick, which is me. I knew me him well. Dad, this is confusing. I hate this. What am That'd I? That'd be some deep shit. I like it. Yeah, let's let's see that, Frank Langella. Um, well, if there's any actor on this list that could do it, probably be him. That's true. That's true. So, I um, mean, that was our recap of Masters. That's it. That's it. The end. The end of. Uh, oh wait, before we we before we put this one to bed, I just want to mention that the one thing we forgot to mention at the very end of the the movie proper is that He Man leaves them with a He Man tchotchke yes. at yes. the very end, like it's like a snow globe, like a that they look inside and it has like a little clip of He Man saying, <laughs> <laughs> "I have the power." So it was a real, uh, I don't know, it was a real funny little image there at the end. Yeah, it's, it's a, you know, it's like one of those um, sound-playing keychains where it's like, you yeah. push it and it's just like, I have the... Yeah, it was definitely like a uh, a gift you would get for going to an early screening of a movie. Um, but this one was for nearly losing your life um, <laughs> to a bunch of interdimensional psychopaths. So, um, so would you, bearing all that in mind, so you have a, a ton of uh, nostalgic affection for this movie, but let's say you were talking to somebody who has never seen this movie before. Uh-huh. Let's say they are maybe like tangentially aware or at least like moderately aware of the toys and the cartoon but maybe they weren't like super fans would you recommend this movie to that person that's a tough one like (laughs) i mean i kind of i kind of painted you into a corner there you did Um, so i'm gonna lie and uh (laughs) just to seem like i'm pro everything here uh (laughs) yes i would totally recommend this um asterisks right like there there's certain things to be said for some people who you know will find the effects hokey the 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 pacing off if you're looking for plot holes you will find many um you know but that it's truly a product of its time you know it's decadently 80s for sure You, you you know where you're at um i think it has pretty good 
messages in there of certain things that are just kind of accepted without any sort of um, like pause or focus on it. Uh, Franklin Jella is, like I said, he's he's my MVP, um, followed by Man at Arms. I really like both of their performances. So, like, I would recommend this to, like, people who I know who might not have seen it, but I think would be looking forward to a a fun time, like, willing to go to this camp. Now, if you are a person who doesn't care for camp or things like that, like, or you have issues watching movies from the, you know, older movies, then this, you know, this one would be a tough watch. But, um, just because you might not find why, uh, people our age or you know whatever find it more appealing yeah i would say this deserves to be part of your personal pop saga only if you meet a very specific criteria um i think you have to be a fan of he-man or a fan of 80s style movies um if you're a fan of like schlocky b-movie sci-fi um then I think this is a definite recommend. Yeah. Uh, this is schlocky. It is cheesy, but it has that '80s movie charm, um, and like that popular trope from the '80s where something fantastical will come to like normal Earth. Um, if you're a fan of canon films and are going through their um, their backlog, then I think yeah, obviously I recommend it. Um, but if you are just a fan of sci-fi, if you are just a fan of like pop culture things, then I think you can probably skip this. You can look up some clips. I would just look up all of Skeletor's clips on YouTube and watch those uh, if, you, if you don't meet the criteria I listed before because... Uh, like you said, I think it's worth it to see Frank Langella doing Skeletor because it's probably until we get another live action Skeletor, it's the it's easily the best. And who knows if whoever will be Skeletor in the future will be able to top it. It's not it's not going to be like if you are aware of the cartoon at all, it's not going to be like that. It's not that Skeletor. Um, that Skeletor didn't exist right when they when they started creating this movie. So, that's obviously the most popular version of Skeletor, and the most the one that people know the most. But that's not. This is going to be something different. And as long as you go in knowing that you're, you know, you're in for. Something. I mean, the the one thing that um, you mentioned earlier, the nostalgia for this film is uh, for me is like out of this world. I watch it every year. Um, in this case, I've watched it twice this year. Uh, once in prepping for this, uh, the original, uh, the first episode. And there is so much here. Like, you, I think you can pick up a lot of things, even from the costumes. Like, the level of detail in the costumes, I think, is really good. The, the score by Bill Conti, I think, is fantastic. Um, you know, that dude so many different you know he, he did the rocky movies and very popular like orchestra stuff you get a lot out of this movie and it it's gone from like being uh, uh, touted as just a bad film to cult status like now they're you know until unfortunately this pandemic happened 
you could go to theaters where they would be showing this a la like Rocky Horror Picture Show. So, you know, it's definitely has moved its way into uh, people, especially fans of Masters of the Universe, like uh, lexicon of good Masters, good, bad Masters of the Universe stuff. Because, you know, like you watch old cartoons, I love them, but they definitely don't hold up to today's standard. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. It's definitely worth it if you are into that universe at all. I think that's that's the that's the key takeaway. Takeaway. <laughs> uh, cool. <laughs> Guess what? I'm still here. I was hiding in the hamper the whole time. I'm wearing your underwear, John. <laughs> Guess what I'm doing? Okay. Tee. And I'm off again, bye. <laughs> wow, he really... That guy could move. Um, so, uh, thanks to Gwildor for stopping by. Really appreciate it. It's um, an honor to have him on the show. I wish I could say goodbye um, you know, to him. But, uh, you know, of course, he uh, he got all that segue, and he's out of here. Um, and uh, so, thanks so much for joining us for the second part of our recap of masters of the universe um and uh, please tune in next week for another piece of pop culture and that we're going to endlessly dissect and pour over and talk about and um probably adore yes uh absolutely so i would say stay happy stay healthy and we'll see you next week i'll be back Fuck off. Saga, you know we keep it groovy uh-huh. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies A couple of nerds, but got style We so cool, pop culture Talking new and old school, yeah You should know we love hip-hop From the roots, Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch, we giving you what you want It don't get no liver, ain't no doubt we gotcha This is Pop Saga, let's go Oh yeah, you heard right This is a lifestyle, welcome to the nerd life Pop Saga